Hello and welcome to COS Live. You can watch the original video broadcast live on Tuesdays at 6 p.m. Eastern. Visit conventionofstates.com slash pod to learn more. And now, here's COS Live. Well, hello, COS supporters, and welcome back to another edition of COS Live. My name is Andrew Lush. I'll be your host for this episode, and I'm joined by Rita Peters, who is the Senior Vice President of, for Legislative Affairs, and she's also my co-host. Rita, it is great to be back with you. Great to be back home. Uh, how are you doing? <laughs> well, it's a good question, Andrew. You and I are both just back from Colonial Williamsburg, where we were there for the simulated convention of states. And the truthful answer is I'm both energized by what happened at the simulation and also, frankly, still pretty exhausted from a couple of weeks of really hard work and not a whole lot of sleep. How are you, Andrew? <laughs> well, I'm the same. I traveled all the way from California to go to Colonial Williamsburg, and it was truthfully a blur. It was so much fun. There was so much excitement, but it just happened way too fast, and there was way too much processing that needed to happen in that short amount of time. But Rita, we're going to share some of the great moments that we both experienced during the three days in Colonial Williamsburg for the simulated convention. We're going to share some of the great moments that we both witnessed, and we're going to walk our audience through a few of the amendments that were passed out of convention, which was really exciting to see. So we're going to get to all of that. We also have our COS Now, in addition to the latest edition of COS Now, which is really exciting, put together by our own producer, G. So we'll get to that momentarily. Last week was one of the biggest events in the history of the Article 5 convention movement. 49 states gathered for the purpose of restraining D.C. tyranny. Over 100 commissioners arrived in Williamsburg, Virginia on Wednesday for the start of the simulated Article 5 convention, which ran through Friday. On Thursday morning, Louisiana's Woody Jenkins and Senator Jason Rapert of Arkansas were elected convention president and vice president, respectively. All right, we have a majority of states. I've announced that the, uh, the next... President of the 2023 Convention of States is Representative Woody Jenkins. Sir. Well, one provision has never been used, and that's our Article 5 Convention, which was really a check on Congress, where Congress is the problem or part of the problem. The people can bypass Congress to make the changes. And that's really why we're here to see if that can work. When people say that we might make a runaway convention, I'm going to tell you that America and Washington, D.C. is running away right now. The body then dismissed to three committees, one for each of the following subject matters, term limits and judicial jurisdiction, fiscal restraints, as well as executive and legislative jurisdiction. These committees considered hundreds of submitted proposals. Al Torres, the winner of last year's COS Voices contest, was on hand to witness this historic event as a representative for the Citizen Grassroots. It's an honor to, and uh, I'm humbled to be here to try to represent everybody. I'm trying to take it all in so I can bring the story back. It's what you guys do that make this happen today. Friday's plenary session was live streamed to the world with Rita Peters, Michael Ferris, Mark Meckler, and Rick Santorum providing commentary. This is hard work. Yeah. Uh, but it's uh, worth it. Uh, and so uh, I was very, very impressed with the seriousness. The commissioners engaged in lively debate regarding the proposals as presented by the committees, making points of order. Uh, yes, sir. Come to the front, if you would. Under Mason's manual, I challenge the chair on that ruling and ask for a vote on the floor. Amendments. 
be the proposal that you have on the screen with the additional sentence at the end, this article shall not apply to military officers or enlisted personnel. All right. Hopefully Any questions about this? And roll call votes. The secretary will call the roll. Alaska. Aye. Arizona. Aye. In the end, six amendment proposals were successfully adopted. A congressional term limits amendment, an amendment limiting the Supreme Court to nine justices and allowing the states to bring suit against federal actions, a balanced budget amendment, an amendment restoring the Commerce Clause, an amendment allowing for states to abrogate or overturn acts of Congress or the executive branch, and finally, an amendment that would cede most federally controlled land back to the states. The simulation proved that the process works, that it can be done just as the American framers envisioned. Moreover, it paints a vision for citizens and legislators alike. They can use Article 5 to reclaim liberty in America and unleash a constitutional Constitutional renaissance. And now you're up to date with Convention of States. Big shout out to producer G, of course, for putting together that great montage of the simulation. Rita, I want to go right to you. What was your favorite moment? It doesn't have to be from that montage, but what was your favorite moment during the simulated convention? No doubt about it, Andrew. My favorite moment, and it happened multiple times throughout the convention, but it was the calling of the role, um, both at the beginning of the plenary session to ascertain who all was there, whether you know there was a quorum or whether it was for taking a vote. Of course, the role was called on votes by the states because voting at a convention of the states is by the state. Each state gets one vote. But hearing the roll call of states in alphabetical order and to hear each state except for Rhode Island. Rhode Island was the only state that wasn't represented here just as it was the only state not represented um, at the Constitutional Convention in 1787. To hear the roll read and each state delegation chairperson answer here or to call out the vote of the state just gave me chills every single time. I love that part. Andrew, what about you? What was the highlight for you? I think the highlight for me, I mean, what you just outlined was, I felt that same, that same feeling, uh, just hearing the, the, the state's um, answer present for, for uh, the votes that was, was really moving. But I think something that really captured my attention was listening to all of these state legislators rise and talk about you know, amendments that were being proposed and wanting to change the language and, and stepping up to the lectern and uh, putting forward their opinions and what they viewed as this was good, uh, a good amendment, or this was bad, this was bad for this reason, or this is something that we should be cautious with, or, you know, there was a lot of uh, different opinions and different thoughts, and they were all just really well articulated. And so it was, you know, when I was watching them, Rita, I just couldn't help but think, man, these are the statesmen that are going to change the country. These are the the modern Madisons, the modern Jeffersons, the modern uh, um, George Masons. And I just, it, it was just so moving because it wasn't yeah. just a free for all. It was well thought out, well articulated. And the, the commissioners, they were serious. They were very, mm -hmm. I mean, they were, they treated it almost too seriously because it was what, two days? Uh, that they were discussing amendments when in reality, a, a actual convention would be much longer than that. And so they had to get so much done in just two days. And so they took it so seriously. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm wondering if there's any additional, you know, comments, thoughts that, uh, that come to mind 
Rita, with just you know how the the convention ran and its effectiveness, mm -hmm. efficiency, all of that. Yeah. Well, one other moment that was um, pretty special to me, and I would agree, Andrew, they took it so seriously. It was very refreshing and encouraging to see how seriously they took um, the, the process. You know, they really conformed to the process. They showed a lot of concern for germaneness you know, was the proposal germane? Did did this amendment make it non-germane? They really paid a lot of attention to that. They really cared about that and took the whole thing seriously. But I just want to share with you another little highlight that I caught sort of behind the scenes moment because of my role in, you know, just helping sort of staff the, the simulation and get get the commissioners what they needed, get things um, on screens for them and helping with that. Um, it was Thursday evening, the Committee on Style and Drafting was meeting to go through uh, the proposals that had come out of committee before they would get presented to the whole convention on Friday morning. And I had stepped out to go pull some documents off the printer and as Mark was headed back into that room with me, and this was an informal meeting, there were maybe, you know, 10 people in the room and including convention president and vice president and the committee chairs. And as I started to walk back into that room, just before I went through the doorway and Mark was about to say something to me, I noticed that they were all praying. They were just spontaneously taking a few minutes to pray for Friday, for the outcome of the convention, the process of the convention, and different ones of them in the room took turns praying for the convention. And it, that was another um, moment where I had chills just to see how seriously they were taking it and seeing them stop to commit their work um, to the sovereign God. So it was, it was really special. Mm -hmm. and, and the, the prayers that they offered with one another, uh, the, the fruit of that really appeared the next day when all of the commissioners met for that plenary session, the Friday plenary <laughs> session and started debating the amendments and passing amendments. Amendments were passed. Uh, a total of six amendments Rita, were passed. I'm wondering if we could briefly kind of go through, um, some of the amendments, we'll see if we can get through all of them uh, in the short amount of time we have, but I'm wondering if we can kind of go through and then you can maybe give our audience a little summary of what what each amendment means and, and what how this can change the country. Um, so if that's all right with you, sure. Rita, we'll, we'll start with the first one. This one came from the federal term limits and judicial jurisdiction. So this came out of that committee. Um, can you tell us a little bit about proposal one and what it means? Sure. Proposal one is term limits on Congress. And I think it's somewhat appropriate that this is, you know, ended up being proposal number one, because we know the vast majority of the American people want to see term limits put on Congress. So I'll tell you what those term limits were that came out in this proposal. It, they limit House members to nine full terms and senators to three full terms. And then section two of this proposal had an overall limit 
of 24 years in total for service in Congress. Um, so that's what came out of the term limits. I know um, some people think, well, those terms are, it's too many terms. You know, some people would have liked to have seen shorter terms. But again, I'll go back to this, you know, this was a two-day convention without a lot of time um, to discuss different alternatives and, you know, for them to lobby each other on what they might support. I'll also note, Andrew, as you've probably picked up on, a lot of state legislators don't like term limits at all. So I think it's refreshing for the public to see that even though the vast majority of the commissioners at the simulation were in fact state legislators, they did get a term limits proposal out on members of Congress. Andrew, you have any thoughts on this? Do you like this? I like it. I think it's a step in the right direction. And I think that's kind of the sentiment that the commissioners had that maybe this isn't the best term limits amendment and it doesn't go as far as many of our grassroots would want or many even of our legislators would want, but it is a step in the right direction. And I think the sentiment that Senator Santorum laid out at the beginning, uh, the very first plenary session, talking about how the convention, you don't need to necessarily pass every single amendment that, that's on your list. And you don't even need to pass any amendments. Just having the convention is a win in and of itself. And reasserting the power that the states have is really important. And so we heard that echoed throughout the entire plenary session, by the way, on Friday, and talking about how this is a, a shot across the bow of the federal government by the states. And this is an opportunity to uh, rebalance the, the, uh, the, the power between the states and the federal government. So. I, I, I'm really happy with this amendment. I, I, I tend to agree that 24 years is still a long time to spend in Congress, but we're at least having the conversation and we're starting to move in the direction of, well, you can't just spend as long as you want in Congress. We're watching and we're seeing that you're spending too long and we don't want you to make a career of it. So I, personally, I'm thrilled by this. Uh, Rita, what do you think about the second one? So the, again, this is within the same committee, the federal term limits and judicial jurisdiction, but this one relates to federal judges. So let's talk about this one for a few moments, the proposal too. That's right, Andrew. So the second proposal limits the Supreme Court of the United States to nine judges. And so that's section one, pretty straightforward. I think it's, you know, most people agree that that is a good thing that we need to do to keep, you know, um, keep the politi more political branches from toying with um, the makeup of the Supreme Court in order to, you know, get decisions that they want um, to come out after an election cycle. So that one's pretty straightforward. And then the second section of that same proposal, Proposal 2, is, is I think the more interesting one. It gives states standing in court to challenge the constitutionality of executive actions. And that's actually, you know, that sounds like a lot of um, 
legal jargon, but it actually gives the states a lot of power because it is consistently a problem where, you know, we see the president do something that appears to be unconstitutional, um, but it can be hard to get anyone to have what's called standing to actually go into a court and maintain a lawsuit in order to get the court to correct it or to issue a ruling that it's unconstitutional. So it's, you know, that part seems pretty technical, um, but it is a big power. So um, I, I really like that one. Any thoughts on that, Andrew? Yeah, I think this one was really interesting. And the debate that that came after this was proposed and after we uh, had passed the, the the previous term limits amendment was really spirited. And I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed watching the commissioners uh, start offering amendments to to this proposal. Uh, and so it, it, it went in a different direction pretty quickly and then it went back into a different direction and there was just debate back and forth on how to limit the uh, how to limit the, the judicial branch. And uh, there wasn't clear agreement at first, but, you know, after, uh, you know, uh, after several, you know, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, finally, the, the commissioners finally agreed that, well, we're not going to agree on everything, but we do need to agree that we need to limit the judicial branch. And I love one of the representatives from Ohio, Tim Ginter, he talked about how we need to do something. We need to fire a, a shot across the bow of the judicial branch because their ship has been coming into the legislative waters and we need to do something. And so I, I thought it was just a really great moment where you saw the commissioners kind of rally together and finalize this amendment. Uh, and I, I, yeah, I think it's uh, really crafted quite well. Mm -hmm. So, okay, let's go over to the, the next one we have. This one relates to the fiscal restraints. This was the first proposal. And mind you, there was only one proposal that was uh, passed in the fiscal restraints committee. Uh, tell us about this one, Rita. Yeah, so I don't have a whole lot to say about this one because I don't want to get into the weeds, but it's a balanced budget amendment. So it requires Congress to have a balanced budget. You know, it seems so common sense, I know, to many of us. Of course, Congress should be required to balance its budget. You know, most of the states do this. People running households, we have to do this. It is simply unsustainable to let Congress continue to just spend and spend and spend irresponsibly without any limit. So, um, it was interesting. It was only the, the Fiscal Restraints Committee was the only committee that just produced this one amendment. But I think it's probably appropriate. I mean, this this does really achieve the primary objective, I think, of imposing fiscal restraints. So I, I liked this. I thought it was a good proposal. I think the Fiscal Restraints Committee um, chaired by Senator Kevin Lundberg of Colorado did a great job. What did you think, Andrew? I thought so too. A lot of it was, uh, like you said, you can get mm -hmm. lost in the weeds with this amendment, but it seemed that uh, this one was, uh, there was unanimity between the, uh, all the commissioners. And it seemed like they didn't debate this one quite as much as some of the other amendments. And so I did like that there was a general consensus with all the commissioners that we need to put some type of spending restrictions on Congress. And this is going to adequately uh, solve the problem of overspending 
by by Congress because we were at $32 trillion in debt and it's just going higher and higher. And so something needs to be done. So I was really glad that the commissioners uh, were able to, to get this amendment passed. Uh, Rita, now let's switch to the Federal Legislative and Executive Jurisdiction Committee. They passed three amendments out of committee that were then uh, proposed to uh, the you know proposed in the plenary session. The first one was the Commerce Clause Amendment. Tell us a little bit about this one. Yeah. So Andrew, I'm not going to hide it. This is definitely my favorite amendment that came out of the convention, and that is because there is a huge glaring loophole that has been torn into the Constitution under the Interstate Commerce Clause. And it has basically been interpreted to give Congress so much power to regulate almost anything Congress wants to regulate. And so this amendment is a much needed um, repair to close up that loophole. And basically what it does is it restricts the definition of commerce in the Interstate Commerce Clause to the buying, selling, or transportation of goods and services across state lines. That, by the way, is what the framers always meant to give Congress power to regulate, not to regulate, you know, goods that are just staying within a state or activities that go on inside a single state. So this really is a much needed repair that's going to really trim down on Congress's power to regulate commerce. Um, Another part of this same amendment says that Congress may not delegate rulemaking related to to commerce. Um, So that's really cutting down on the administrative state, cutting down on that bureaucracy and forcing Congress to do the job of legislating in this area rather than passing it on to unelected, unresponsive, unaccountable bureaucrats. So I love this one, Andrew. What are your thoughts? I second everything that you said. I I do love this. And I love the simplicity of it as well. And I like the last part about the navigable waters and how the commissioners decided to insert this to make sure that it's clear that navigable waters means you can transport goods and service goods across navigable waters. Because as you know, the federal government has uh, twisted the definition of navigable navigable waters to mean you know a, a little pond of water on your farm uh, that that shows up because of rain or something like that. So it's just I love that we're 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 clearly defining words in these amendments, particularly the commerce one. That commerce is clearly defined. Navigable waters is clearly defined, and I think this is part of the reason why we're having an Article 5 convention is because there needs to be clarity in, in, in some aspects of the Constitution because the federal government has used, um, you know, has redefined words to fit their narrative and their agenda. And ultimately, they've used that to take power away from the state. So I, I think this one is, is, is great. Rita, let's go over to the second amendment that passed out of this committee, and that is the abrogation amendment or the counterman amendment. Can you tell us a little bit about this one? Sure. So this is really an interesting one. Basically, that you see a lot of words there, but I'll just summarize it for you. It lets a simple majority of states abrogate federal law 
order, regulation, or rules. And I should clarify, it gives that power to the state legislatures specifically. So basically lets a majority of the state legislatures say, nope, we don't like this law. We don't think this is good for the country. So we effectively overrule it. So this is a really interesting one, Andrew, and there was a lot of um, speculation among Mark Meckler, Mike Ferris, and Rick Santorum when I interviewed them about this right after the convention about whether there would be any chance that something like this would get ratified. This one of all of them that came out of the convention would probably be in real life the hardest one to ratify because this is a huge power given to the state legislatures to basically reverse some action or law of the federal government that they don't like. Now, you will notice um, that the courts are not included in this. So this doesn't give the state legislatures the power to overturn a court decision. And that was hotly contested, if you recall, Andrew, Mm -hmm. at the simulation, because a lot of people had strong opinions about, you know, on both sides of whether the state legislatures acting in concert should be able to overturn a court decision. Um, And I, you know, personally, as an attorney, I think that would have been a bridge too far, at least at the simulation, because of all the technical things that weren't resolved. For instance, what happens to the two parties in the case if we were to let a majority of state legislatures overturn a court decision? Would that then leave the last court decision standing? And what if the Supreme Court decision that the states want to overrule was affirming a lower court decision, then that kind of doesn't make any sense. So there were a lot of um, technical details that, you know, was too much to overcome at the simulation, but a lot of interesting debate around this one. What are your thoughts about this one, Andrew? Yeah, my thought, I want to second what you were saying about a bridge too far. It just didn't seem like it was enough time to really talk about the details of what that would mean. And there were several people who uh, spoke in opposition to that because they believed it could be very, it could be very political and it could be looked as very political. And I, I tended to agree. And I, I understand the frustration of the Supreme Court and you know legislating from the bench. But I think if you do something like this, you're, you're swapping legislative, legislating from the bench for uh, adjudicating from the assembly. Uh, or whatever legislature that you're in, whatever they call it. So, I'm not sure that it was the the wisest thing to to pass. And and you know many of the commissioners agreed with that, and they decided that like what you said, it's a bridge too far. Uh, other than that, though, I thought the amendment uh, really has a lot of power. It does uh, really grant a lot of power to the states to uh, abrogate any uh, federal law that that the, that the states agree is not good for the country. Um, and I tend to agree with you as well that it, it probably is going to be difficult to to ratify um, well, one because of you know how long the language is and how complex it is. I think those you know kind of more concise amendments are going to be easier for the American people to uh, to get behind. So uh, still, I think it's a great idea, something that's very interesting, but the American people 
are really the ones that are going to be the driving force for ratification. So we'll see which amendments get traction when we actually have a real convention. So there's one final amendment that we're going to talk about, Rita, and this one I thought was really interesting as well, and it's uh, about federal land use. And this also came out of the Federal Legislative and Executive Jurisdiction Committee. Can you tell us a little bit about this one? Yeah, so this one basically to to really put it in a nutshell limits federal ownership of lands in the states. And this Andrew is a really big issue in our western states. You know, some of these states have huge percentages of the land within the state being owned and controlled by the federal government. So this basically, you know, forces the federal government to give back control of most federal lands in those states to the states themselves. So it's a really interesting proposal. And I want to draw your attention to um, language in Section 5 in particular of this proposal because it shows a limitation of the amendment, says that it shall not apply to these certain areas, lands or military installations um, where the state has given jurisdiction to the U.S., lands belonging to Indian tribes, which is the terminology used elsewhere in the Constitution, lands designated as national parks or monuments. And the reason I'm pointing to this Section 5, Andrew, is it's just another example of what you were mentioning earlier, which is that these commissioners even at this extremely short simulated convention, which is way shorter than the real convention will be, they were being very careful not to produce amendments that would have unintended consequences or that would reach too far or you know, do things that wouldn't actually be for the benefit of the whole country. So um, I thought this amendment is a good case study on just how careful and how thorough they tried to be. So Andrew, I know you live out West. What do you think of this one? I think this one is really cool. I and I want to just really kind of uh, uh, pull on what Ken Ivory had had talked about in the plenary session and also in the committee. He talked about how this is something that the federal government uses to really control the states um, in, in many different ways, especially in the West. And and he had talked about the I believe it was the force commissioner. He talked about how the federal government, whenever uh, there's a large forest fire or something like that, the federal government gets paid because they have to go and solve the problem and fix the problem. And it's just it, it really resonated with me because we see often that the federal government uh, uh, steps in to fix a problem because of the problem they first created. And for example, we saw that in, in New Mexico, New Mexico had issues with this where the, the forest commission, they started a fire and they didn't listen to the community on not doing this and the fire got out of control and there was a huge problem with this and this happened uh early i want to say in in 2021 or 2022 don't remember exactly the year but it was an example of the federal government creating an issue and then having to step in and solve the issue and so this kicks it back to the states and i think this is where it should be because the states are are better prepared to to handle these really kind of detailed issues that affect land use and stuff like that uh, Rita, we went through all six amendments. I'd love to get your take on what you think could be the effect if one or all of these amendments were to get passed out of a real convention and what they might, what they might 
how it might affect uh, you know our country and and how it might rebalance the power between the states and the federal government. You know, Andrew, it's probably going to sound cliche, but <laughs> the truth is, if these amendments became part of our Constitution, we would see the power and jurisdiction of the federal government really reined in as well it should be and needs to be. Uh, I was really pleased with these proposals that came out. Of course, they would be even better as the result of a real convention that had more than two days to do all of the committee work, plus all of the plenary work where they actually have the debate. You know, I, I thought this was just fantastic. I think these committees really focused in on, you know, some of the primary um works that they need to accomplish, the primary issues that cause the problem. I'll go back, you know, to the BBA term limits and the the commerce clause restriction. Those alone would be huge as far as rebalancing power between the states and the federal government. So I was really pleased, Andrew. And I think what we have up next from producer G is an interview that I conducted with Senator Kevin Lundberg of Colorado. He's a former senator, and he actually was elected before the convention to chair that fiscal restraints committee that produced the balanced budget amendment. Now, I interviewed him, at, I think it was on the lunch break at the convention. So it was before he was able to see what actually came out of the convention. But I think you'll find his take on the proceedings interesting. So producer G, why don't you show us that interview? This is Rita Peters. I am here at the simulated convention in Colonial Williamsburg with Senator Kevin Lundberg of Colorado. And Senator Lundberg, I know this is your second simulated convention. You actually were here at the first simulation back in 2016. Tell us how this second experience has differed so far. What's it like being back for a second time to do this? Well, first off, I'd simply say it's a real privilege to, to be here and to be participating in this uh, simulation of what what a, an Article 5 uh, convention would look like. And, and you know, it's, it's, it's kind of a shakedown cruise in a sense. Uh, and uh, this second time is an encouragement to me because I see a greater sophistication on the part of all those participating. There, you know, I believe there's a higher percentage of uh, people who are in elected office today. And, and that gives you a little more knowledge of how the process works. Um, we've really been digging in uh, in depth. Now, the problem with a simulation is it's limited in time. So you have to understand that, that uh, when the people of this nation actually engage in this, or I should say the states, really, because it's commissioners from each of the states that come, uh, uh, that, uh, that they should have adequate time to really dig down deep and to ferret out all of the little details because when an amendment is proposed, uh, it's not up for debate or, of, um, or amendment when it goes out for ratification. So it has to be polished. And 
we, we kind of give a rough polish here in a short amount of time, but I think we really show that the process works very well. And also, I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't say that an Article 5 convention is limited by the constraints of Article 5. So, you know, some people have a concern, well, what's going to happen there? Well, if it goes outside of the bounds of Article 5, it's no longer a legal Article 5 convention. And you and I, we could come up with a whole new idea on an amendment, but it would mean nothing because we don't have that authority of the Constitution. But what we're doing here today is showing how the process would work and the, the legitimacy of this effort. Also remember this, that any day Congress meets, they can propose amendments just uh, in, in a day's time, they could, if they were really had, had the, uh, the desire to do it and, you know, the motivation, they, they could snap their fingers and, and have a, an amendment out to the states within the day. Well, an Article 5 convention with the states is a much more measured, careful process that, as we know, takes years to put it all together. But when the states finally come together to debate all of the issues, uh, this is how it looks. This is how it will, will function. Um, and then what will come out of it? Amendments to be considered by the individual states. The ratification process is no different than if Congress did this. Senator, at this year's simulation, you were elected by the convention to chair the Committee on Fiscal Restraints, and I know those committee meetings happened yesterday. Tell us what it was like for you to chair that committee yesterday. Was it hard to keep people on point? Was it hard to um, sort of prioritize what you wanted to do? What was it like? How did it go? Well, I, I would be kidding you if I didn't say that it was hard to do it all within one day because there is so much. And uh, the committee was over 40 people, so we had, uh, um, you know, a lot of opinions. But everyone really took it seriously, and they treated it with the, the gravity that it, it deserved. Doug Deep, we considered a wide range of... Uh, you know, my committee was the uh, fiscal restraints committee, so we're we're looking at you know the how do you how do you uh, limit the the, uh, the 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 dollars and cents that are being collected in taxes and spent and all of the things that surround that, um, and uh, I we could have gone on for weeks, you know, <laughs> and probably need to when the real thing occurs. So. You know, if you're a commissioner, you better treat this as a, as a commitment for a good long while to really get it done right. That's what they were trying to do yesterday in that uh, committee meeting. And as a consequence, you know, as I say, we covered a lot of things, but we ended up with one proposal, a very important one, though, because, yes, uh, we prioritized and we have a proposal to present to the, uh, the entire convention today concerning a balanced budget amendment. Um, and I, I trust, we'll, because we're, we're having this conversation in the middle of the day, so we don't know the outcome of it, but I expect that the convention as a whole will take it seriously as well. And there will be an amendment or two or three or who knows how many, but it's an important 
very, very significant elements in the whole concept of how do you balance that that uh, structure of, of authority and power between the states and between the federal government. Well, you limit how much money the federal government has to spend on things, and you insist that we live within our means and balance our budget. Senator, I know we're running out of time. The president gave you all a very short lunch break today, so I've got to get you back over there. But before I do, I know that you have been a champion of the Article 5 process, even nationally, for many years now. Tell us what it is that you find so compelling about an Article 5 convention and the timeliness of it today. Well, I've served... Uh, 16 years in the state legislature. I'm retired at this point from that. Uh, term limits, which I do support, uh, kicked in, in in my state. Um, but throughout my entire career in the legislature, I could see the imbalance between the federal government and the, the state's role in governance. And yet when I read the Constitution overall, the envision that the, the principle of federalism is just throughout a very important element. So uh, Article 5 is actually constructed to give the states the authority they need. If you go back to Federalist Paper Number 85, it was Alexander Hamilton that wrote it. It's actually the last one published. And he says within there, you know, if the federal government, in my words, ever got out of control, and went beyond its scope of authority. We put this element within Article 5 so that the states could reassert themselves and rebalance that principle. That's why I've been such a fan of this and, and such an advocate, because I know from the perspective of a legislator that, uh, that it's not balanced right now. And this is a high priority for us to move forward. Federalism is such a a, 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 an important principle for good government and is, is so much uh, woven into, into the fabric of, of the American system of government. But we've got to correct the course and that's what Article 5 is all about and, and I'm <laughs> thrilled with the commitment that uh, Convention of the States has put in to really make it so. So, you know, count me on the team. We certainly do count you on the team. Senator Lundberg, thank you so much for your many years of public service, for your commitment to Article 5 and restoring our federal system. And thank you for taking the time to be at our simulated convention. And I hope your committee's amendment passes today. And now it's time for the COS Live mailbag. These are messages and questions from viewers like you. So if you want to be featured, you can be. Just drop us a comment on YouTube, Facebook, or Rumble. So I'm going to go to the first one. It's from someone named Miata who wants to know, will there be a link to all amendments passed all in one document? We already have such a document, so stay tuned and look for that on our website, Miata. I am sure you are going to find it there. All right, the next one, Rita, comes from Kimberly Hogan, and it says, this has proven beyond a shadow of a doubt that the process works. You are so right, Kimberly. 
Article 5 will work. We saw firsthand through that live stream that the commissioners will stay on track, they will follow their commissions, and they will produce solid amendments that can rebalance the power between the states and the federal government. Thank you, Kimberly, for staying in the fight and watching the live stream and cheering us on. Lady Ellen M. Lowe says, great job to all that participated and worked behind the scenes. Thank you so much for that. It was an honor to be involved. I know that all the participants feel the same way, but thank you for recognizing that hard work. All right. We have a comment from Nan L. Phillips. Convention of States can clear the way for a single item legislation. No more omnibus legislation. Yes, you are so right. Uh, a single subject amendment, which would force Congress to have only one subject, not omnibus, uh, you know, uh, amendment or not omnibus legislation, but just one single subject. That would be huge, and that'd be a great way to to stop the monstrosity uh, legislation that comes out of Congress. So maybe at the real convention, we will see something like that happen. Yeah, I really think that we will. Andrew was kind of surprised that didn't come out here. I think they just ran out of time, but I know they were definitely talking about it. Mm -hmm. Okay, Tammy Hinton wants to know, are we getting ready for the real convention? Yes, Tammy, that is exactly what we're doing. We are dusting off this process that has gone unused for way too long, and we're demonstrating, we demonstrated to the American people that the Article 5 Convention for Proposing Amendments is a safe, workable, and highly effective process. We are getting ready. We have one last comment, and this is from Karen Rotschaffer. Our grassroots will again have to roll up sleeves to do this educating. We are ready for a convention. I think that is a perfect segue from your uh, question that you just uh, read, Rita, because yes, this is the enthusiasm and the type of mindset we want to have. We are ready for a convention. And now it's up to you. It's up to the American people to get in the fight, to start contacting your legislator, asking them to support this resolution, asking them to throw their weight behind an Article 5 Convention of States. Well, we're going to sign off, Rita. We went through a lot today. We covered a lot of ground, a lot of fun things that we talked about, very exciting things. Uh, we'll be celebrating our 10th anniversary next week, so you're not going to want to miss the, the special edition of COS Live. Until then, we have a country to save, so it's time for us to get back to work. Thanks for joining us. This has been the podcast version of COS Live. Check out more content at conventionofstates.com slash pod. Thank you for listening.